Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are talking about two very, uh, very good Western films, uh, one from the modern era and one, would you say, more from like the silver age of uh, cinema, or is, would yeah, you consider that? Yeah, definitely a classical, classic Hollywood Western. I, I'm not... The I'm, classic Hollywood Western, some would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too uh, keen on what makes Golden Age or, or Silver Age, where they draw the line like year-wise, but uh, Searchers, which is... Uh, the older one we are talking about was made in, I believe, 1956. 56, correct. Um, stars John Wayne. Uh, John Wayne. Yeah, the yes. the original Western uh, Western strongman, you know, lead guy. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting acting performance from him. But uh, our other film that we will be talking about today is Hateful Eight, a more modern Western by the, the great Quentin Tarantino. And... Uh, his, what was it? The film he came out with just before he did uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood after Django Unchained. Uh, really, really cool kind of, how do, how would I describe it? Kind of a mystery action Western. I How else would you put it? Yeah, I'm. that's pretty accurate. It's like Pulp Fiction if it's a Western, so... I mean, it kind of has a similar structure to Pulp Fiction, at least. I felt it had a pretty similar structure to, um, to, to Inglorious, just because of yeah, it's a lot I mean, of dialogue and a lot of people sitting around a table talking, and then every once in a while there's like sporadic action that for is like. True. I mean, all of Tarantino's movies have a have a similar structure, um, like they all kind of feel the same way. I just I just compare this one to Pulp Fiction because this one has more non-linear stuff happening than than inglorious does yeah i suppose well i don't know i mean there's arguments that could be made for and against that uh but overall i thought that was a great film um which one would you like to talk about first gideon searching or or i'm sorry searchers or hateful eight uh let's just go chronological okay so searchers um this one was a rather interesting film that I think really excels not with its main character, but with its secondary characters. Oh, really? That's interesting, because I feel like the secondary characters are much less interesting than John Wayne's character. See, now, again, it's one of those things where I've never been a huge John Wayne fan, and I've always felt that he doesn't really? have much... Uh, he doesn't have much range as far as an, as, as an actor, and he doesn't, again... Another issue, like with Humphrey Bogart in uh, in Casablanca, doesn't emote very much. He just kind of has this one, one face the entire time, one way of acting. He never really seems to be emotionally invested in the film. He just kind or his character doesn't at least like with the things that are going on, except for maybe one scene. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't know where you're getting that. So I I hadn't seen this before. Uh, this was a big one on my list of shame because this is at, like number 10 on AFI's top 100 of all time, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, 
and I thought he was just like magnetic in this in this film. Um, his role he plays, and I think he's just the most like his his central conflict of like this idea of aggression in the old west and and revenge and and racism at times too um yeah and like just how blunt he is in times but like i think i i don't know i think there's just a lot more going on than than you might be giving him credit for so, i mean there is a little bit of range actually he has he has two modes he's either really angry or i'm sorry he has three modes he's either really angry with somebody for something he is just kind of neutral and just kind of like passive aggressively just going along with whatever or he's making fun of somebody and he's having a heck of a time doing it uh <laughs> that's about it that's what i noticed in this film at least it just seems that those were those are the only three things the only time i ever felt there was like genuine emotion is uh when when i believe it was he tells Brad what happened to uh trying to remember what the one girl's name was it Lucy no or was Lucy the younger one no Debbie is the younger one okay so then I'm trying I... to remember what the older one's name is I thought that one was hold on a second oh what? my gosh I didn't look up the cast list I'm this is blowing my mind all right uh, what Vera Miles is in this she plays the she she's the I think she's the 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 love interest of the of Martin and Natalie Wood plays the older version of Debbie. Okay. <laughs> I totally did not even put that together. That blows my mind. Oh my gosh. I I can't even believe I didn't recognize her. I, I maybe I thought I, I she, okay, so like Debbie in the first beginning of the film, she's played by a different actress, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, cuz she's like Cuz she's like, like way 8 younger. years old. And then she shows up later and they're like, "Oh yeah, 5 years has passed." And I was like, "Oh, Man, really? She looks like she's twenty. <laughs> no, I mean, like I, I mean, it's just like it's more. It was honestly kind of like a gut punch moment. Like I didn't realize how much time had been passing. I thought it was more like seven years. Like, like they, they are, they are out looking for a. I thought it was searching. I thought it was like <laughs> for a long time. Well, the first time they go look for it was like I thought at least a half a year. Then they went out even further after that. I thought maybe maybe. I, I I don't know. In my mind, as I was watching this for the first time, I thought it was it equated to about seven years of them actually searching. But um, so essentially for the plot, for anybody who hasn't seen this, um, there's this family, you know, in, in Texas that has two of their uh, like the, the family gets pretty much massacred by by Indians. Two of the girls uh, of the two of these daughters um, get kidnapped and then john wayne and this other guy who's kind of like the adopted son in yeah, that family they they don't, don't really I don't know if they remember i don't remember if they say where he actually comes from but like john wayne at one point says like you're not their actual kid. well because like, he's he's a quarter sister. yeah he's like a quarter indian and john wayne is really really xenophobic against indians yeah. in this film uh and in so anyways him and this in this you know he's probably 20 some years old kid have to go out and try to find them and they go and well, yeah, search and for Lucy's like other Lucy's boyfriend. Although yeah. he disappears pretty fast because he gets himself killed. Yeah, that was a weird on. scene, but yeah, I, Brad, I, right? Yeah, yeah, Brad. I think that's his name. See, I remember he his name because really old to me. I was like, that kid does not look like a Yeah, no, that dude was like he looked like about forty years old. But like <laughs> the scene where he where he dies, yeah, and they don't show it. They just they just focus on on uh on john wayne and um, yeah you just hear some you just and I, it was kind of like two moments it's like oh that's a really interesting artistic choice but at the same time it was just kind of like you're right it's a little bit like weird the way the sounds that you hear yeah you just um, hear him 
do some gunshots and then you just assume he dies and I don't I don't know if he like charged at some Indians that we weren't seeing. I think and, that's what happened, yeah. But it's like you don't see any. Like they they literally have a shot, you know, where all three of these guys are are talking and and it's actually a great scene when he when John Wayne has to kind of deal with the death of one of the people who was kidnapped and he has to explain that to Brad that essentially, hey, your girlfriend is gone. Yeah. And and he just gets so upset that he Yeah, it's it's runs it, off. that was one actually probably my favorite scene as far as John Wayne's acting went, the whole entire movie. But um so you so you, that entire time that's happening though, you're like looking over their over their bodies and you don't see anything in the distance. It's just desert. You know, it's open, you know, Texas desert. And then Brad finds out he he's heartbroken and goes on a rampage and just runs out, takes a few shots, and then we assume he's dead. But we, like we didn't see any natives out there, you know, the way he heads for at least, you know, it's like just open area. Yeah. There's no no teepees, no nothing. So it just it just was very odd the way that they did that. I mean, you and me both kind of figured it out, but it's like just just an odd way. For them to do that, well, and I mean, I, that's not. I thought the like the creative choice to not show us was was really interesting because it just it because the focus on the emotion. But I feel like just like the the it just the context of it is a little bit well weird the continuity. We don't, know, we don't know exactly where the Indians are, yeah, and why they're doing the way they are. So I don't know. Yeah, I I think if we're gonna talk about like uh, westerns that kind of deal with natives in an interesting way. I think the movie Hostiles is probably the best if you've ever seen Hostiles. Um, that's with uh, Christian Bale, and oh, that, that came out recently. That was a few years ago, but honestly, it is it is incredible. That film I would love to review with you on here too one one of these days. But that one I feel like kind of looks at it from both angles. You see some aggressive natives at certain parts, and and some of the devastation there. But then you also see like natives that are being uh displaced and kind of the hardships that they're going through and like the struggles of of trying to you know i guess kind of one from their perspective kind of like trying to move to these new places that they're not used to and and having to be kind of controlled by these white people and it's it's very interesting and it really does a good job at showing both angles of this and and both sides and it's it's a very tragic story, but it's it's very well done. This one just most mostly focuses on the white the white guys, and I mean not to make this all about race, but I mean it is it's nineteen fifty six, you know, <laughs> very different perspective yeah, I mean, at is, that time. It is concerned with with that, like yeah, it, and that is a focus of the movie, and 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 what happens to the Debbie character when she is captured by the Native Americans, yeah. and has to live with them basically, and what that does to her, and like the. It's yeah. all a bit like you're not exactly sure where the movie stands on it. Like, is it? But I think by the end, it seems like it's condemning John Wayne's sort of like racist actions. Yeah, um, kind of. And like, and how the futility of his like nonsensical violence towards him, and like the way that the community of like it, it's it's reflexive of the genre in some terms, like because of the way that his his violent actions are seen as like you know the typical cowboy is going to come in and do a bunch of violence, and then you're going to see that as positively affecting the community. Um, but he kind of like does that and it negatively affects him as a, like a, as a person because he yeah. is like, so in, he's over the top. Become a, yeah. Has become a part of who he is. Yeah. Um, he's, he's fire. He, you know, he, and, and people call him out on it, yeah. which is interesting right away. There's a, a battle kind of 
around a river and he's shooting at the at the Indians on the other side of the river as they're trying to pull their dead bodies away, you know. Or uh, one great example, you know, with the buffalo herd. Uh, that, oh, yeah, and he's just, like, legit just Well, Well, that was – they did a great job showing the mindset because, I mean, I, I did the math once. It was, like a, f- like, a few thousand a day from, like, 17, from like 1700 to, like, 1910. Buffalo – in that time frame, if you did the average, it's, like, a few thousand a day were killed by by white men. And, and Yeah, because there was, like, I, I think an estimated, like – 14 million or maybe even more, maybe 40 million Buffalo. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were just killed mainly to, to reduce, you know, any sort of food supply for natives, you know, in the great plains or beyond that. And, and they really show the mindset and John Wayne just all of a sudden starts doing it. And I'm like, dude, yeah. like, come on, man. Well, I'm trying to think of like other Westerns that deal with native Americans. And you've got like recently the revenant did had some, uh, Native American like stuff happening with it. Um, the, that's the best like, example is about that. Is, um, I'm telling you, is hostiles. Well, uh, interestingly, I was just, the first one that I thought of was Stagecoach, which was John For- one of John Ford's earlier movies, um, also starring John Wayne. And I feel like that one, this like the Searchers, is kind of like a natural evolution of Stagecoach in some ways. I, Stagecoach, I don't really remember super well, honestly. I didn't see it super long ago, but I know that's like Stagecoach is probably an influence for the Hateful Eight. Because like it's people, a whole bunch of people coming in to, together. I'm I'm pretty sure Quentin Tarantino cited it as an influence for for the Hateful Eight, but I, don't quote me on that though. I'm not positive. It's all right. Um, uh, but like there, there's this big. The one part of the stagecoach that I remember, like the big chase with where the where the Native Americans are like chasing them down, and they've got the horses and stuff. It's like a in, like it was like Mad Max Fury Road levels. Oh, blow my mind because and it all came the- out in 1939. Yeah. And so I saw it. I was like, how did he pull this off, dude? Like like that level of of like continuity and like just everything and forward moving like it's basically Mad Max story like style you know you're running down the thing basically just getting ch- like in the in the in the in the desert and it's like yep. crazy but I feel like that one didn't have as much of a it wasn't as self aware of of the way it was treating the Native American population yeah. whereas I feel like the searchers there's still a lot of uh, they're they're covert either- and overt racism happening yeah um, they're they're but I feel uses- like it's at least more aware of like how that affects the character. Uh, that affects John Wayne's character and like how his racism and aggression has is like is regressive for him as a person yeah. um even though it's still including that um in a way I th- yeah I don't know it's tough now just quickly but I what feel like w- Native American representation on film is not something that happens a whole ton either outside like, of something like this outside of west like I think of outside of westerns like when are Native Americans being represented like Pocahontas like that hardly even counts because yeah, that, no, all that, that has problems of its own. Yeah. I actually so, I don't even know if I've ever actually it's a good even point. seen Pocahontas. Well, when we come back, we will start uh, scoring the searchers. And then uh, after that, we will go and review Hateful Eight. So stick around, ladies and gentlemen. Her cough was so bad, she couldn't breathe. And she was in the hospital for nearly a week. Doctors told us that even though Mary Grace was too young to be vaccinated, we could have protected her by getting vaccinated ourselves. I'm Dr. Bill Schaffner of the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases. Adults need a booster vaccine to protect themselves and those around them from whooping cough. Ask about it the next time you're at your doctor's office or pharmacy. Visit adultvaccination.org. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Giddy and I are talking about the film Searchers. Uh, 
Now we are about to hop into our first category, which is Gideon. Um, first impression. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. And uh, I, uh, I didn't think the film. <laughs> I, I did a Homer moment of my own. There. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I I didn't think Searchers was no. too bad, but. Again, I it's just like John, John Wayne was like the la, like the person I cared the least about in this whole thing. He just was kind of there, that's and he's really, yeah. I, that's still, he, this isn't really even his story, really. It's the I, other, and I'm sorry. What is the other guy's name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Robin, Robert, Robin. I'm shoot. No, it's, it's not. Uh, it's it's his companion's story. It really is. It's his romance. Martin. With, Martin. Martin. So we're focusing on Martin's romance. We're focusing on Martin's family. I I buy him. I buy his character, but I feel like it's just a little bit more two dimensional than 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 um, than Ethan's. I don't. Ethan is a kind of interesting name for for a John Wayne character. It doesn't feel well like him. The fact that there's a character in this named Brad. I mean, Brad. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's more of a 1980s like high school jock sort of name. You know. Let's go hang out with Brad over there. Yeah, he's a cool dude. You know, like that kind of thing. But what's his name in the manager at Liberty Valance? Tom. But, but uh, Martin, I, I really feel like he's he's great. His acting was awesome. I thought that his story was compelling. I could care less about John Wayne, aka Ethan's, uh, any, anything to do with him, really. He just kind of appears and then he's part of this and he's just. He has no motivation, it seems. He really doesn't seem to well, care. His motivation is like being the like in a way, being the classic cowboy and coming in and wreaking violence on the community as and 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 do and kind of like the idea of justice at any cost. Yeah. Um, but, whereas whereas But um, he doesn't care that much about the family that got massacred, no, even he, though it's his he brother. Does, though. I don't think so, because he already chose to not be with them three years after the war was over. You know, he he chose to go off and and kind of like we're we're assuming he's some sort of criminal. Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like he's kind of like, I think he's like either cares about them or just wants to wreak get vengeance for the vengeance's own sake. Mm. It's kind of like the conflict in him between those two things. I think he's just using it as an excuse to attack people he doesn't. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm saying it's the com. I think, but I think it's both. That's what I'm saying. That's why he's more three dimensional. It's because he has both of those motivations driving him, and he's kind of got that more three dimensional aspect to him. Whereas, whereas um, Martin is is not the same way. Like Martin really does have that one that one motivation of kind of going. Well, he he's got the subplot well, that comes yeah, in. With, he he wants to also go home to but, to his girl, and I I but but he's got. To kind of find his family and hopefully recover his his you know his younger sister who's you know even though he's kind of adopted into that family he still wants to help find her and that's his but so he's conflicted between his romance and his duty to his family and I I felt his character was much better that and uh, his he had much more of an acting like range in his acting the only time I was like dude like what the heck uh, he he kicks his uh, Indian wife. Oh, yeah. I was that, like, dude. I was, yeah, I know. I was, I was like, what did he just do? He yeah, so, like so his, there's his a fake uh, Native American Well, he accidentally the, purchases a, a Native American woman <laughs> as as a wife. He, like, and traded and... Kicks her down the cliff. I was like... Not, not a cliff. Down, like, a, like a, 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 a hill. A, 
hill of sand near a, <laughs> like, near a little oasis. But it was like, yeah, because like she slapstick moment. I was like, that is dude, so messed up. She's just trying to be nice, and she just goes into bed, and all of a sudden you're mad that she. I mean, like I get you're mad, but just who the heck just goes and like. <laughs> Shoves her down, and she like rolls on the sills. She's this, she's a you know. And John Wayne just sits there at the laughing. bottom of the cliff, laughing. Well, at, he's the hill laughing, laughing about that whole situation. Well, but yeah, I was right, like, dude, that was the only time I didn't like his character. I was like, that's, I mean, that's just like, an that's awful, awful yeah, thing to do. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't. Yeah, yeah, that was the only time I didn't like him. But other than that, I thought his character was fine. Right. It's the it's the difference between like being like racist as part of his character and like overtly racist to the point where it's like you can't buy I don't, I don't him think anymore. it was racist I think it just was mean spirited yeah mean spirited yeah. I don't think it wasn't because she, he didn't do it because she was in any he did it because he doesn't want her to be around him yeah like so I don't know that draw it's yeah like you said mean spirit is I think well, there's a perfect the one thing at the end it. of his of his thing where he's like where where Martin thinks that he's gonna kill his sister because she's become quote unquote in it she's not because he says because she's quote unquote not white anymore he really says i'm gonna or at least that's what he he deduces yeah well ethan ethan has a disposition about him where you know if the if the natives like brainwash these these people that they've taken captive then you know they aren't they aren't you know white folks anymore and he sees them pretty much as and if you're not white you don't deserve to live in his eyes yeah i mean he is a is a Confederate soldier too, which is just interesting. Very, very. Again, it's a very sh- different shift in tones. Yeah, it's and and I mean, it's not entirely fair to judge a film with modern or any sort of art, really. Uh, you know, from looking back, you have to kind of put yeah. yourself in the mindset again, of I think the there is period. Some sort of, there is a bit of, of of reflexiveness in this, and it, it is at least more aware than something like John Ford's earlier film, The Searchers. Yeah. All right, not. Stagecoach. There we go. But I mean, yeah, it is. It is a bit dicey. First impressions for this, I would actually give it a six, though, just because they they try to really shoehorn John Wayne's character into this, and I really think they didn't need him. Yeah. See, if anything, I would say they try to shoehorn the relationship drama with, with. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's what they're doing. But I'd say if if, if they are trying to shoehorn anything, it's that relationship between Martin and uh, Lori. Mm. I, I, that was that was that fun to watch from Psycho, but I I kind of liked the the Laurie Martin romance, and it was kind of cute, and I I, I don't know, I enjoyed it. I but liked how they a, did it's, it. It's just cute, like it's 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 not it's not like it was game changing or anything. I, I I don't know. I so like when I, something yeah. when something like this is praised as game changing um, over the years, you have to I, for me yeah. at least it feels like you have to kind of like look and see why it's game changing, and I do see that. In John Wayne's character and the way that mm. it is looking at kind of like the Western genre and the Western archetype and kind of like so to a certain extent deconstructing that, but it, but at the same time like fulfilling its requirements as a genre. Um, so yeah, I would give this a six for first impressions. Certain parts of it I was bored. Certain parts of it I I kind of was like, all right, that's not too bad. Other parts of it seemed really corny to me, but I, I I will say it was an okay film. But I think I'd give it a six. I'm going eight on this. I really liked this movie. Overall, um, I feel like this could go up it, overall. But I feel like, again, compare this to like some like the spaghetti westerns that came out in the 60s after this. I haven't watched like Once Upon a Time them. in the West or The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly or any of the mm. ones, really. Um, but like Once Upon a Time in the, in the West is the one that I've seen the most recently. And just like stylistically, it's just doing so much more um, than these than these American Hollywood westerns. Mm. Like I, I feel like Leone is just pushing the boundaries um for especially for a 60s film 
um, much more. Like this is, you can see the sound stages and stuff. Or on, at times, but other times I, they are out in uh, the real are. desert, they're, and I like sometimes that. Sometimes they're not. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm no. not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, but like, it just like when the way that Leone moves the camera and like uses sound design and stylistic sound design and camera movements and stuff like that, like it just feels so much more. Like it's the kind of western that I want to that I like like and Tarantino's gonna do that. He Tarantino's gonna be more stylistic than this, obviously. Um, and so like there's nothing wrong with like the Searchers. It's just like, or even compared to like Citizen Kane, another influential one. Like it's it's not doing the same kind of like evocative camera. There's some stuff in here like the the door the way that they use like doorways and and like the arches in the in the rocks and stuff. Like, those shots are great, and that's part yes. of the, the film that the part of the film that I was like, okay, this is this is what makes this movie special. Is this kind of thing. Um, but okay. again, eight is my score for first impression. Next category. Story. Yep, story. Uh, I thought, I thought the story was all right. It kind of just throws a lot of characters at you right at the beginning and expects you to just kind of latch and onto they them. All die, and then they all die pretty much, and then it's you know, I, I thought the story was all right. Parts I of mean, it, honestly, Once Upon a Time in the West does that too. Now that I think about it, like because they've got like her, the 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 one of the main girls' family, her. I, I have to, get killed right away. Yeah, I have to give and, this one another six. Excellent scene. I have to give this another six because I don't care at all about John Wayne's characters, Ethan Ethan's story. I don't care one iota about him, but I but Martin's story, I think is fantastic, and I like his romance. I like his quest to find his sister. I like all of that. And John Wayne just doesn't need to be there. I think really they kind of just could have saved a lot of money on not getting the big name actor and just done the film with the way that they kind of did it, just take out Ethan. Yeah, but I don't see how you can say that because like the whole film is about the idea of vengeance and and the and and what violence does psychologically to a person and how that and like the the coming again the classic coming and going of the of the Western cowboy. Like I that's say not- that because I didn't associate the 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 way you're you're thinking the meaning of the story is that's not what i saw in this that's why i'm looking at it differently because you're seeing something in this very differently than i am i'm not uh, seeing it as 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 some great commentary about violence and stuff like that i'm seeing it more as just your your i don't want to say typical but this is this is more just a story about uh about family and try and and more about like trying to <laughs> recover lost loved ones in one way or another and it's it's let it because you have ethan coming back to his family you have martin trying to one recover his family now that that he's lost and now he's trying to find the one member that still is alive he's tr- also trying to hold on to his future family with his with Lori. so there i think this is more that about that is definitely there um and then you and then again that's what that final shot kind of communicates is the the shadow and that they come in and come together and then he kind of like goes back out um but like the the undercurrent of, of rage and the sadness that comes along with that um, is throughout the entire film, and that's kind of where I connected with this the most because I feel like it's very much in tune with its own emotions um, and like this melancholic sort of uh, like almost depression. Yeah, I, I would agree. That, There's that, definitely that, that John feel. Wayne is kind of like s- yeah. stuck in. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. As a re- but it's as a result of the aggression and violence that is inherent to the cowboy. So like and that and he and he does that. Like I don't see how that's not like what the primary. I don't consider him I don't know. In this he's he's a horseman but but he isn't much of a 
cowboy. He's not really but like, like the, the 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 Western hero. He's I a, yeah. I, but the way I see it, he's he's an ex soldier. He potentially is a, a you know a robber or some sort of thief or or somebody with a bounty on his head because he's stolen gold early in the film. They mentioned that, and it just it just seems I don't know. It, very different but we gotta keep moving here um so what what would you do story uh what was your score my score was six six um i'm gonna go with an eight also okay um yeah next category <laughs> again i think john wayne is actually the the worst actor in this um because he doesn't know how to actually express any sort of emotions besides just a general like annoy annoyed kind of like distaste for everyone and it just gets old really fast and he doesn't he doesn't have much range whereas Ethan uh or I'm sorry whereas Martin does a great job just being able to do do every everything you'd want his his character to do and he it doesn't seem fakey to me I mean Ethan's the character of Ethan just seems too over the top just like so i don't know man old angry man kind of deal and it's just it just wasn't great so again i i would have to give this probably a five there were some other characters that were iffy and some that were good but overall i'd say a five the preacher seemed a little over the top too yeah there is a lot of like slapstick elements yeah i mean it tries to be funny Um, a a lot it is over the top in some respects um more so than i was expecting um, but I don't, I haven't seen a ton of John Wayne movies it's, and I think all of my John Wayne movies that I've seen are all also John Ford movies, mm. which would be this, uh, stagecoach and then the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, but in all of those, I think John Wayne is like, give, like, I just find him like really like, even in something like this where he's not meant to be like a perfect person, like he's still like attractive on screen. Like he's still, you still, he still has a magnetic personality and, 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 and like he, your eyes just kind of like gravitate towards him and he, he commands, uh, the presence, his, his like everything, everyone around him is kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like, the, and the way he talks and just his smooth demeanor, um, like there's no one like John Wayne, like it really feels like to me, like even, even compared to like Clint Eastwood, I mean, I haven't seen, I like Clint, um, Clint Eastwood Eastwood's, a lot more than John Wayne, Clint Eastwood's, that's for sure. um, spaghetti westerns in a in a while i do need to rewatch those but i feel like I, I don't know if it's blasphemy to say that john wayne's better than clint eastwood but i mean like just in turn er, depends on the genre you're talking sp- I'm, sp- I'm talking specifically clint eastwood's spaghetti westerns um i wouldn't say that's blasphemy most people would consider john wayne the western actor right you know, and that's what i'm saying i think he he commands that that title for a reason um and i totally am down with everything he's doing in this movie um again you're like See, I'm gonna flip it around. Like, I feel like John Wayne is great, and everyone else in this movie is very much playing a caricature. Um, and they're playing caricatures that serve the story in interesting ways, but like, they're still caricatures. Not two, two, two dimensional is probably a better, a better term than caricature. I get what you mean either way, but but, you know, whatever. So, um, so I'm gonna go with a seven. Like, I feel like John Wayne is like an eight or a nine, and then everyone else is kind of like okay, bringing it down a touch. Okay. Um, like, I feel like he's not close enough to a nine to bring it up to an eight. I'll go with seven. Next category. I got a bad feeling about this. Look and feel is our next category. And this one is probably the lowest uh, for me because they uh, 
did one of the cardinal sins of of period piece films. They uh, let a car appear in the film, and it is it is you have to I be didn't see it. yeah. I could I I will uh, tell you exactly where it is. There is a part uh, not long after the buffalo uh, killing scene when, uh, where you see a whole bunch of cavalry soldiers escorting Native Americans across this little river, this little stream in the background. You can see that there is a car moving along a road that right. you can't see, yeah, okay. which is just hilarious to me. I, I could believe I actually spotted that. I have never seen that happen uh <laughs> period western like that it was great i was laughing the whole time after that so because of that and just at times uh kind of seeming to be really cheap sets and other times it looking good i would have to give it a i'll probably have to give it a four for look and feel maybe even less maybe i'll do, actually scratch that it gets a three okay yeah, I think this just like very much epitomizes like the look and feel of a of a classic Hollywood western. Um, again, because like the the difference between this and a spaghetti western is they're just so different to me. Like they just they the vibe is like not even close to the same. Like they're both dealing in the same period and and location and um, and sometimes thematically similar, but like just the the general look and feel is very just so different to me. Um, like Hollywood westerns almost feel polished to a certain extent. Um, like like the spaghetti westerns feel more grimy, which so I like that vibe better. But I feel like there's nothing inherently wrong about the way that Hollywood westerns appear appear. It's just like their own thing. It's just the way that they are. Mm. Um, I liked when they were out in the real world, but sometimes when they were on the set, it was too obvious. Yeah, but like again, even when they're on the sets, like the colors that they that they evoke through those sets, I'm still really, I still really buy those. Um, like it, it's very much the contributes to the melancholic feeling that's that runs throughout this movie, and okay. I really and I really am down with that. What's uh, your so score for then? Score, I'm gonna go eight. Okay, and uh, then the last category. It's gonna have a psychological effect on how the audience perceives you. Overall, movie was okay. I was kind of bored through certain parts of it. Uh, definitely didn't leave me with any sort of real feeling. I was more just like, all right, that was, that was a movie, you know, it's like, I don't know. So because of that, I would probably say a five didn't, didn't leave me with a good effect. Didn't leave me with a bad one. I would say just five. Yeah. I was really into the sadness that this movie's kind of like putting out and anger and like, kind of like the way that it's like portraying that and like at times asking you to to empathize with that and kind of like feel the same emotions that John Wayne's feeling and then at, the, at other times kind of like look at that more objectively and kind of like analyze it mm-hmm. um, and I think I was I was kind of down with that there are I don't I don't want to say pacing issues but I want to I would say like I, there are some pines I agree it's like it's not perfectly entertaining but at the same time it's like it is it is interesting at least to just kind of like take in the western landscape and kind of vibe with that so I'm gonna go with let's just go with a seven for this because I feel like this and I feel like this could go up over time but I feel like on first watch it's a seven for me. Okay. When we come back, we will be uh, talking about the scores for Searchers and then Hateful Eight. Stick around. 
Hi, I'm Vicki Barker, host of World Update from the BBC. When you first get up in the morning, the day's well underway for us here in London. Our staff's been tracking the most newsworthy stories from around the globe, preparing reports and interviews with people at the heart of the day's events. All this before breakfast. Think of it as your personal wake-up call from London, Monday through Friday on World Update. Coming up at 4 a.m. here on WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and Gideon and I are about to tell you the score for Searchers. What do we got, Gideon? Searchers got a 63. 63? Which is pretty low for us. Um, I, I, puts it just above Zombieland 2. Well, nothing got oh. nothing got above an 8. I mean, it wasn't... I, I gave it I gave it 8s um, on three categories. Yeah, but nothing so went above I, that for I either like of you us. you were so. too low on it, and I wasn't like... You weren't high enough to it carry either. it. Yeah. Um... But I, I, this is just such a better movie than like Zombieland. <laughs> I don't it's know, man. I at least Zombieland. I was like, really, I was. I don't know. I was kind of into it. But uh, all right, so sixty three. That's interesting. But now our next uh, film, I'm sure, will probably get a higher score from us. Hateful Eight, uh, Quentin Tarantino's second latest film, uh, western starring a whole bunch of big name actors, including uh, <laughs> Channing Tatum, who appears for like all five minutes. Uh, Kurt Russell, Samuel Jackson. Uh, who's the other guy, the one who plays the British fellow in this, who's in a bunch of Tarantino films? Um, I'm trying Walton to think. Goggins, maybe? Tim Roth, Michael Madsen. They're all so he's, he's also in the 2009 Hulk movie. Uh, What's that guy's name? Tim Roth, I think. Is who yeah, Tim Roth. Okay. But yeah, uh, a whole bunch of... Big named actors in this, uh, very very dialogue heavy, s- slow but very well done film. I I really really liked this. Um, again, a great Tarantino film. I I really can't say I've ever seen a film of his that I didn't like, though I haven't seen a number of his films. I've only seen probably about half of them. So, you know, I've never seen any of the Kill Bills. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. I you know so. Some of them are kind of still up in the air, but Reservoir Dogs, Django, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Inglorious this all of them i i've loved so so far he's got a great track record with me how did you feel about this film yeah i didn't get a chance to rewatch this the first time i saw it was three years ago um almost the day actually saw it november 18th 2017 um and i was okay on it like i i enjoyed it it was not my probably my one of my least favorite tarantino movies honestly Mm. um like I just I feel like he's he, he's almost regressing to a certain extent in this, um, like where in in once upon a time in Hollywood like he's evolving as an artist, um, whereas here it feels like he same thing with Django Unchained like Django Unchained he feel like in this together both feel like he is, I feel not being, and I don't want I don't he's doing what he wants to do right so like I don't want to judge him by that. But like it feels like they're not as uh, thematically aware or or intentional as something like Inglorious Bastards or Pulp Fiction. Um, so mm. like it's just difficult for me to get fully on board with it. I do need to see it again because I don't want to like my opinion is not necessarily as sound as it could have been if I had rewatched this. That's all right. But uh, like it is a good movie. It's just not necessarily like like I feel like Tarantino is in some cases like such on another level as a filmmaker. Um, and this just isn't that for me. And again, my opinion might change if I watch this again. I thought visually this was one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Um, definitely gets a little grimy at, at uh, certain parts. 
that I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, that that uh, blood splatter was a little too chunky for, for my taste, <laughs> you know, it's like stuff like that. But uh, overall, I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, one thing that I love that Tarantino does, that, that Tartakovsky does, kind of sometimes establishes a setting first and lets characters move into it. And I love I love that that way of of visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, what is and I also noticed something at least from a cinematography standpoint here. Uh, what is that called when you do the the it's split down the middle of split the split diopter? Split diopter. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Diopter shots in here. There I are know. there's yeah. a lot of it. I've never seen a movie use more of it than this. Yeah, there's if you want to see a movie with some great split diopter shots, watch Blowout. Yeah. Um, with John Travolta. Okay. Um, directed by Brian De Palma. That movie is like the. God Dude, tears, I think this one had at least four, and and Blowout has like ten. Okay, yeah. I mean, I know Jaws has a uh, Jaws, Jaws has that one. Toy Story four, you know, has that one. Yeah, we but probably want. Well, you showed me a documentary also. about it, but now every time I see it, I notice it. Thanks to you showing me that. Yeah, and and it's a really cool effect. It is. Sometimes it's sometimes it's hard to tell whether they've got a split diopter or just a really high f stop. No, the, I um, could I could see it. Well, cuz sometimes they try to some it depends on if they're using the, the split diopter stylistically or not cuz like there's th- there's times where you do a split diopter because you can't do a high f stop so you just do it and try to hide it. Um so, but then in this movie I I'm assuming and then it blow up like they're definitely doing it to stylistic purpose. The way that the easiest way to tell is when there's like there's you can see the out of focus in between the two yes. lines of focus. And that's why I'm telling you I could see that. Right, and, and here yeah. you can. But in some split diopter shots, you can't. So it's and if in those cases, it's difficult to tell whether it's actually a split diopter or if it's just a high f stop. Yeah, it's it's a really cool. I I love it. Meaning and, uh, high focal range. Yeah. Meaning like for people who don't know, like high, higher f stop means you're gonna get a longer focal range, mm-hmm. which means that you can have more in focus in the shot. Whereas split diopter means it's literally two different planes of focus. Yep. So you can still have a lower f stop and a lower range of focus, but you can have two different things and a long and a long plane. So like it's a hundred. So you could have somebody right next to you both in focus. Yes. Whereas if it's a higher f stop, like everything between those is going to be also in focus yeah so it's 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 really cool way to do it and i i at least counted i believe four of them in this and it was just a great story uh great story as well it's just to summarize it really quickly um it's a tale about two bounty hunters that end up kind of on the same same stagecoach picked up a couple more people they're heading to a place called red rock uh in wyoming to drop off their uh bounties one being alive and then there are three on the roof of the stagecoach that are not alive anymore, uh, and and it and this blizzard's rolling in, so they have to stop at this haberdashery. Uh, the haberdashery, the the main caretakers aren't there, and there are these these four gentlemen who just seem kind of odd. At least Samuel Jackson's character in this that um, he, he kind of has a sense that something's kind of odd about this, and it, it doesn't seem right. Um, but anyway, so it's kind of a mystery, like, if, is there some foul play going on? Is there not? And and while this blizzard's taking place, everybody kind of gets to the bottom of it. it so it's, it's it's very interesting. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're sitting there expecting a big action film, sorry, it's not going to be as action-packed as you may hope. But uh, it it is still an amazing film just story-wise and from a visual standpoint. And just, it's it's cool. And I love the, I love the way the characters are written and just... It's fun, man. I love that about Tarantino films. He's always got fun characters that are just yeah, definitely. His characters are like one of gotta be his like literally probably his strongest point as a as a writer. Yeah, a he, he just um, 
he has this mind. I like mean, they, it feels they, like they, it, they carry his films, whether they're whether they're like that's. I think his characters are what allows him to play with the medium in a lot of ways. Like other filmmakers can't get away with what he gets away with in terms of like not caring about the rules and mm-hmm. kind of the thing that you're quote unquote supposed to do. Um, like for example, just crossing the line is one example. Like he does that in in uh, Inglorious in the first opening scene. But yes. like he he's allowed to break those rules specifically because like I think you're so invested in his characters and like who they and like the way that they command the screen and to, and like they're just uh like they're so different from just a typical movie protagonist that um, I, that's what I was about to say I feel like Tarantino's characters almost seem like they're from like a role playing game of whatever the genre is that he's talking about you know if there was a western role playing game all these characters just seem so you know unique and have such vivid backstories that you you yeah. just see well, and he he does he does say that like he, he i think he says that he literally writes stories and like chapters that are specifically like about any given character mm-hmm. and about their entire backstory makes and, like, those who, characters and, seem and how lived they've in. gotten to yep. where they are at this point um and i think like that exercise probably i i don't remember where i heard him say that but like gotta help those like it really does give them like you feel that in the mo- in the movies um, yes so it, yeah, and and I I really did enjoy pretty much all the characters in this. They all seemed really cool. Um, and uh, when we come back, we will be uh, giving it our stores. So stick around. Sam Weish was a quarterback, head coach, and broadcaster in the NFL. Last year, he became a heart recipient. And now I know what a miracle feels like. My new heart gave me a new mission in life, and that is to get others to sign up to be organ donors. There are over 130 million people that have already signed up. Be a part of that. Please sign up to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. And we're back talking about Hateful Eight. Gideon and I here on Script to Screen are about to give you our stores. Our first category is First Impressions. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. And uh, this film was awesome. I I really liked it. I thought that again, all of it. The the characters were great. The setting is always beautiful in his films. I didn't notice a car in the background in this one. <laughs> luckily, uh, though you do see some houses, and th- luckily they're far enough away where it's not. You know, it doesn't seem like they're uh, from a modern era or from. You know, the old days, they seem to be like farmhouses or cabins, perhaps. Uh, so it, it's getting to the point in the U.S. where it's hard to find big open swaths of land where there isn't at least something, you know, <laughs> to distinguish it outside of like maybe a national park or something. Um, but I, I, it was a very, very well done film overall. I, I've enjoyed it as much as I do pretty much any Tarantino film. I didn't love it as much as maybe Django or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I think I enjoyed this more than Inglorious. I think, and and it's right up there with, I put it probably at the same level as like Reservoir Dogs because it's just a lot of people in one room talking and kind of deducing things. So I I would probably say for my first impression of this, I would give it a nine. Yeah, again, I already said this is not one of my favorite Tarantino films. Um, mm-hmm. it's not close. Like, I, again, like it, the the level of like thematic, like ambition and like subtle, uh, very uh, but yet clear thematic ambition that's happening in like Pulp Fiction, um, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, less clear to an extent in 
and glorious, but still there. Like this, I, it's just I don't I don't know what this movie's trying to do. I, like I don't understand this movie on the same level that I do those other films. Um, and again, that's why I say that a rewatch might prove helpful. Uh, but overall, this is not like it's also not a very necessarily in, like it's all three hours long. It loses a lot of the. If, okay, so here, here's, the, here's the difference. Something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's also longer, but it's not trying to be that whiz-bang, Tarantino, pop, got him, et cetera. Like, it's, it's very much about enjoying the ride, whereas The Hateful Eight is kind of about those, like, intricacies of the plot and, like, kind of the way... It, it's a much more plot-centered movie than yeah. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it's also three hours longer. Three, not three hours long, three hours long, compared to, like, Pulp Fiction, which Pulp Fiction is very much, like, a tight screenplay that has, like, every single little piece comes together by the end. Whereas this, it's like, it gets to be a little bit like, it's not, it's Tarantino indulging himself, which I'm fine with. Like, it's awesome to see him do that. But it just, as a whole, as a whole, as a movie, it doesn't feel like it's as, as perfect as something like Pulp Fiction. Uh, so I'm going to give this a seven for first impression. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you've seen this, you saw this in 2017, you said? Yeah. November yeah. 18th, 2017. Okay. So yeah, this was my first ever watching of it. I was supposed to watch it with my brothers like years ago, but that never happened. So I'd been saving it, and then I was like, "Well, I guess you know what? This is a good enough occasion to finally, uh, yeah. you know." So I still saw it a couple years after it even came out, but yeah. Okay, so not too bad for that first category. Coming up next is, story. and uh, again, I really liked the story of this. I thought it was a ton of fun. I. These these films that he does, especially westerns, I feel like his stories are always top notch, and he just seems to have just such a love for westerns. And I mean, he loves all cinema. I mean, the guy the guy's a master at pretty much anything he does. But yeah, coming into a genre and understanding the genre, and yeah, like uh, it's it's a compare him to like something like uh, like Ryan Johnson and the way the two uh, play with genres um, and enter a genre and like have a full understanding of the genre and then change the genre to their own specific interests. Um, I feel like Ryan Johnson does that more, much more intellectually, um, where he comes into something like, like Looper or, um, or Knives Out where he's like, or Knives Out where he's doing a murder mystery. Um, mm-hmm. but then imbuing a thriller engine in the middle of it. Um, and kind of like using that as a, as a way to, to, to understand what a, what a murder mystery can be. Um, like, you, like with Ryan Johnson, you can see the cogs, fitting into place and like what he exactly or, or something like star wars too in the genre of star wars and looking at it as a star wars genre um and and changing star wars not changing star wars as a genre but like ref, reflecting on what star wars can mean as a genre apart from sci-fi whatever um but like you can see he you he almost wants you to see the way that he's doing things whereas tarantino feels much more like emotion center like he he's he's uh like he's not, he's doing it He's functioning emotionally. He's doing what he what he wants to do. It feels like, hmm. um, so it's hard to point out where, where at what po- at what at what point he's changing the genre to 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 do what he wants to do with it. Um, it's very much like just kind of watching him go all over the place in a lot of ways. So like Pulp Fiction with it in the in the crime uh, syndicate whatever drama kind of thing, or Inglorious in the War genre. Django in the in this uh, Django is more obvious because it's 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 taking the perspective of of an African American slave and putting making him the hero, um, mm-hmm. but here I think what he's doing in this is like from what I remember it's like very much planting and payoff in terms of like mystery 
and like it's 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 almost an Agatha Christie kind of type thing in its in itself, kind of like not like Knives Out, but like in the way Knives Out has like yeah. planting payoff or like Murder kind of, on the Orient Express, kind of yes, exactly. Yeah, um, it's 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 people in a room try to find out who did it in a, in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, I didn't even mean to make the comparison, but it kind of kind of worked out. Um, between oh, this and Knives Out are both kind of like yeah. Agatha Christie kind of. No, I looking, mean that's looking back on that and kind of like that type that type of story. I feel like it's um, a fair comparison. And he br- and he brings that into the genre of western kind of melds those together. Yes. From what I remember again. Yes. Um It's been a while since you've seen it, but, but I am fresh think the off thing this. The thing that I buy the most out of this is like the again the planting and payoff. Um which is not something that he is typically known for. Like in pulp fiction the t- the type of planting and payoff is a much different type of thing because it's not so much like it's kind of like you see John Travolta get killed and then he shows up later and that's because kind of like a weird like juxtaposition in your head so it's not necessarily like a plot order oriented thing whereas here it's like something a clue will ha- like it's it's, it's clues yeah, right like um, it's, it's mystery clues and from from what I remember again honestly parts of it parts um, of it yeah so I'm gonna go with eight for story I would also agree with an eight for story I don't I don't think it's like the most in, insanely well done story of all time but it is a very good story that's that's kind of the short end of it here it's just so you almost have to take it bit by bit there's so much to break down in this but yeah i'd say about an eight i feel like some of the characters are a little you know over the top with it with their backstory and some are like perfect and so it all it all equals out but i'd say an eight for this uh our next category is and uh with the acting i felt that this was very, very good. I, I mean... I mean, he always gets great performances yeah. out of people. Kurt Russell, Samuel Jackson, always two of his favorites. The other guy was telling you, um, the British fellow, he's... He, uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. He he appears in many Tarantino films as well. Um, He's best in Pulp Fiction, in my opinion, but... Yeah, well, my the first time I ever saw him in any film was, was the 2009 Hulk movie, so that ever since then, that's all I can see him as, really, is... Uh, was it Blonson? He's like abomination Dude, in I that. Have no idea. You've not seen that film? I've seen it. I don't really uh, rewatch it. It's I. It's one of the oh, best MCU the, films. Is he the other? He's the guy who they kind of give a super soldier. The other monster that, or the yeah. other Hulk that he yeah. turns into. Yeah, that's him. Same guy. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah, it's. I I thought all his characters were really fun to watch. Everybody was great. I again, it's like he does a, an amazing job with with how he writes these characters and that falls a little more into the story category, but everybody acts their part perfectly in this. And I don't think there was any, any bad acting at all. I, aside from maybe one, one shot, but just because I know of what happens and it seems so obvious when, when Kurt Russell destroys a a priceless real guitar from a museum, he smashes a guitar in, in in a scene mid midway through. Do you not know this story? I don't remember this. Oh, they get like a guitar from the Gibson Museum that's from that's period accurate and a real artifact from the time that there are maybe only two or three of these in the world. And the scene happens where Kurt Russell yanks the guitar out of the one female character's hands. He's like, "Song's over." So he smashes it. They were supposed to cut, hand him a different guitar, and he smashes oh, man. it. He destroyed oh, a real priceless musical artifact and so you see the girl she's like whoa 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 and she like looks over to i assume tarantino because he would have been behind the camera at this moment she's like whoa 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 like and then it cuts to a different thing and so for that moment she's actually not reacting as her character but as 
the the actress herself yeah. because she knows what just happened. Jennifer he just destroyed like a million dollar piece of musical equipment. <laughs> and yeah. so the last song that guitar ever played is the song that's shown in that film. So and it's just crazy, but it's yeah, but that really happened. It I is the biggest that. tragedy in as far like one of the biggest tragedies in cinema history, in my opinion. That 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 actually happened, and it's just such a shame. Uh, and I doubt that the Gibson Museum will probably ever lend any sort of <laughs> instrument. I believe it's, it's Gibson. It might be a different, uh, you know, guitar company museum. I doubt that museum will ever lend another mu- musical instrument to any. Uh, movie ever again so <laughs> that's a re- that's another real shame but uh yeah but besides that the acting was perfect so i would say 10 out of 10 <laughs> sorry that was a a long aside there but uh yeah we gotta keep moving here how did um, you feel about acting yeah i mean like i said tarantino always gets great performances out of his actors it's tough to analyze the specifics um but i mean like it's all it's all they're all great across the board as far as i can remember i mean um samuel L. jackson's always just he's great a great time um, I, it does remind me of that one scene that I wish I could forget, but I probably remember the most vividly of this whole movie, and you know exactly what yeah, I'm talking I know about. Yeah, talking about. Um, without him even having to, it's just that, that one scene. You know you what? Know, I yeah. moved mine down to a nine because he did seem to be just a tad overacting in that. I don't know. It just seems so ridiculous, and maybe that's the fault of that, but I'm going to give that a nine. Where do you sit on the acting? Uh, I'm going to go with eight. Um, okay. No, like, again, nothing stands out specifically, but yeah, move okay. on. Uh, the next category is look and feel. How do you uh, feel this was uh, aesthetically? Yeah, I mean it's it's great. I think the the he he's doing. I think I don't know if it's called cinemascope or or what it panorama is. Panorama vision or something pa- like pan- that. Of it, or yes, exactly. Seventy that, millimeter. It's, it's super um, wide. It's the aspect ratio on this movie is insane. Yeah, I think to compare like, it, I think it's like a two six. I don't even know. It's insane, though. Like, it's super wide. Comparing um, comparing it to The Lighthouse, it is <laughs> night and day there. But, uh, but I mean, it's 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 perfect for this. I, type of movie. I think so, too. It's it's beautiful in that respect. Uh, it's all on real film. It uh, is completely period accurate. I would say, like, everything looks awesome and beautiful. And I'd give that look and feel 10 out of 10. I yeah. think it was perfect. It's a 276 wow. aspect ratio. <laughs> That's Crazy. insane. Like I almost triple the width as the height is, correct? Or do yeah. You, yeah. So what would you give look and feel? Gideon? Which is crazy. Like I don't I, I can't imagine watching this on a on a television screen. Um look and feel, I'll go I'll go eight. Uh, okay. Hateful eight. Really? You what could it have oh, done okay. better? I'll do nine. I'll do okay, nine. There I'll we do go. nine. Fine. There we go. Okay. Fine. <laughs> and, and finally we gotta hurry up. The well, last I, category. I the last category is what was your score? I I said a ten. Oh sorry, I didn't I didn't catch it. Uh, last category is effect. How did uh, this film make you feel, Gideon? Oh, yeah, this is not... I don't vibe with this one, or I didn't vibe with this one. No? I'll, I'll go seven, like, just because okay. i got to say it fast, but, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we still have... We have a little bit of time here, but I I felt that this movie was very good. I, I wasn't walking... Or I watched it at home, so... The theoretical... I wasn't walking out of the theater, like, blown away, but it was very good. I had a great time watching it. I look forward to watching uh, the four-hour version that's on Netflix as four episodes. Like, I want to see the extra scenes. I'm super into it. I'm feeling the vibe of it. Uh, I would say my effect would probably be an eight. Uh, yeah, um, that gives us an overall score of... I scored this higher than The Searchers, actually, which I'm kind of surprised by, but overall score of 83, which puts it... Right below The Shining and at the same score as Unbreakable. Yeah, I could kind of see that. 
I mean, it, again, it's not my favorite of all the Tarantino films, but it's definitely up there. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, one of Tarantino's films is is literally the top of our list right now. So can't feel too bad about that. But uh, anyways, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This has been Script to Screen with Matt.